Good morning. It's good to see a church family. Glad that we can be here together and worship God. I'm glad that you have taken the time out of the beginning of your week to make sure that you are here and glad that we have this opportunity. Uh, this morning we're going to start a new series that we'll do on Sundays this summer called Who is This Lord We Love? Here at Jefferson Avenue, if you're visiting with us or if you're a member, I want to remind us of a, a few facts that I think are important. Uh, a few facts that when I say these things, it might make us a little bit uncomfortable, but I think they're true, so stick with me. Uh, we, as Christians, we don't follow a set of doctrine. We, as Christians, we don't follow a set of rules or a set of do's and don'ts. As Christians, we follow Christ. Now, saying those things makes us uncomfortable because we know how important doctrine or, or teachings of Jesus are, and those things are important, but we don't follow those things. And we know that there are some guidelines, there are some things that God says, hey, people who follow me ought to do these things, and people who follow me ought not to do these things, and that's true, and we want to do the things that we should do and avoid doing the things that we shouldn't do, but we need to remind ourselves perhaps from time to time that those things or those doctrines or those lists of rules or do's and don'ts, those are not the things we follow. We follow Jesus. And it's because we follow Jesus, it's because of this Lord that we love that we do those things, that those things are important to us and they are important to us. But what I want us to do this summer on Sunday mornings is walk through, not necessarily go verse by verse, or we may not even go in, in order of chapter by chapter, but we're going to look in the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible and you want to, uh, to follow along with us, there's uh, black Bibles in the pew in front of you. It'll start on page 836, Mark chapter 1, page 836. We're going to look at this morning one of the aspects of Jesus, and really what we're doing this summer, what we're trying to do and remind ourselves is why? Why do we follow Jesus? Why is he worthy of following? Why should I give up everything else, everything else of value, everything else that's important to me? Why should I be willing to give those things up and follow Jesus when those things are in conflict? Who is this Lord we love? This morning we'll talk about probably a passage, and, and, and it's true, I, we won't dive into it a whole lot, but we'll think about Jesus as the great physician. Have any of you ever had a great physician? Ever had a great doctor? Uh, growing up I had a doctor, my, my mom had been going to this doctor for a long time, and my brother who's eight years older than me, he'd been gone, going to this doctor uh, his entire life, and then I went to this doctor from, uh, from birth until I guess through college, and then we moved, and we haven't, I haven't had a good doctor since, basically. His name was Dr. Harder, and uh, he, was, he was our family practitioner. I don't even know if they have family practitioners anymore, you know, a doctor that, that everybody in the family can go to. Uh, we haven't found one since we moved from our hometown uh, that we really use. We you know, usually go to an urgent care for us, and we have pediatricians for our kids. But, but Dr. Harder, he was, a, he was a great physician. He was a great doctor. You know, he, he was someone that, you know, he, would, he, would, he could handle my mom and dad's issues. He could handle our issues and everything in between. And, and he's still my mom and dad's doctor, and, and they're not old, but they're, they're getting there. Uh, so he, he's, a, he's a great doctor. How is Jesus a great physician. The verse that was already read to us, Jesus says, I didn't come for those who are healthy, or I didn't come for the righteous. I came to call sinners. I came to call 
the sick because those are the ones that need a doctor. So we'll look at in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2 a number of passages where, where Jesus uh, does some things, some of the actions that he takes, some of the words that he says. And let's think about how is Jesus a great physician? Who is this Lord that we love? We're going to think about some adjectives to describe who is this Jesus. Let's start in verse 32. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 32. It says, when evening had came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all those who were ill and who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Let's notice, first of all, that Jesus, as the great physician, Jesus as our Lord, he is capable. Don't you want a capable doctor? A doctor that, that knows what they're doing. Well, this Jesus that we serve, he's capable. He's in Capernaum now, and this is kind of serves as his home base. As an adult, this seems to be Jesus' hometown, the place that he's left Nazareth. He's not in Bethlehem anymore. He's, he's now in, in, in Capernaum. And, and that's kind of seems to be where his, when he goes home, that's where he goes now. And it says that the whole city has gathered at this house. He's at the house of Peter. Uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law is there right before this. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then it says the whole city has gathered there. Now, it's not a city like we think about, but it's still probably around 1,500 people. 1,500 people are gathering at this probably pretty humble home. What does that mean? They're not inside the house. There may be tens of people, maybe 50 people inside the house, and they're packing them in pretty tight if there's 50 people there. But there's the whole city is there. Hundreds of people are there. They're gathered. They've heard that Jesus is there. They, they have heard that Jesus is capable of helping their sick and their demon-possessed. And he has come to them. They have come to him, and they have, they're bringing just everybody, anybody who's got any little ailment, they're bringing them to Jesus. But certainly those who are significantly sick. First of all, who is this Lord we love? He's capable. He's capable of helping us in our need. Let's notice that next in verses 38 and 39. He said to them, this is after, after the evening has come and, and they go to sleep and he goes away for a little while to, to have some alone time. In verse 38, when they find him, he said to them, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also for that is what I came for. Verse 39, and he went into the synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. Now, Jesus is capable. He, he's able, every person that they bring to Jesus in this place and, and throughout his ministry, he's, he's able to heal them, no matter what their sickness is. He heals the blind. He heals the mute. He heals uh, people who are, are sick with leprosy. He heals anything and everything. But notice, he wants something more. Jesus, as the great physician, Jesus as our Lord, he's eager. He's eager to do something more. Yes, he's capable of healing their physical ailments. But what does he want to do? He says, hey, let's go, let's go other places. Because that's why I came, so that I can preach the word to them. There's, there's something more that he wants to do than just healing people's physical ailments. He's eager to help people more than this. As he's going around from these different places in verse 40, we see that Jesus is willing. Our Lord is willing. Verse 40, this is probably one of the most touching passages of Jesus' interactions with people, I think, in all the Bible. Verse 40 says, And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, 
Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Why, why is this such a powerful passage? Well, it's a leper. And that, that's significant because we know the Old Testament practices that would have been in practice during this time that, that lepers had a leper colony, right? So maybe this, this person somewhere around Galilee, their hometown is probably in, in one of those cities. Their, their family, for perhaps probably for, for generations, is, is placed in one of those cities, but they develop leprosy. We have no idea how long, how short. We don't know how long they have had leprosy, but for however long it's been, they've been separated from their family. They've been to the leper colony. And they've, they've not been able to have meaningful interaction and certainly not meaningful physical touch in a long time. And we don't know anything about this leper. We don't know anything about him beforehand. We know very little about him afterwards. But somehow he has heard about Jesus. Maybe, as Jesus is going throughout all Galilee, maybe this man's family is in one of those cities. Maybe Jesus, as he's healing people in all of these various cities, one of this man's family sees them, sees him healing other people. And he goes, the, the family member goes to the, the, the outstretch or the, the, the boundary of the leper colony and, and calls out this leper's name and says, hey, there's this guy named Jesus. And he's helping people. He's healing them. He healed all these various diseases. Maybe if you can get in touch with him, maybe he'll be able to help you so you can come home and be with us. And then in a scene that it would have been kind of scary. This leper approaches Jesus, gets close enough to where, you know, he's able to talk to Jesus. Maybe he's yelling out, but, but eventually Jesus gets close enough to do what? To, to touch him. Remember, in, in Old Testament, and, and the practice would have been in New Testament times, a leper, when they're around anyone, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to yell out, unclean, unclean. They're, they're warning people, stay away from me. You don't want what I've got. But this man, this leper, comes to Jesus. And probably through what he's heard from a family member or a friend or maybe another leper, he says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. He has faith that this Jesus, who he's probably never met before but he's heard about, can help him in his moment of need. And Jesus says these beautiful words, moved with compassion, I am Willing, be cleansed. Now, leprosy is not around much today, but there are people who we treat like they have leprosy. Maybe people who are alcoholics. Maybe people who are addicted to drugs. People who have made other various poor decisions that have segregated or separated them from, from our families or our friends or our places of work. And, and we treat them sometimes like that, or certainly the world does. But someone told this leper about Jesus. And because someone told this leper about Jesus, he was able to go to Jesus and be healed. And Jesus was willing. You want someone as a doctor who's willing to deal with your difficulties, who's willing to, to see the, the good, the bad, and the ugly as a part of your, your health, whether that's physically or, or maybe even emotionally sometimes. We need people to help us in that way. We need people who are willing and we ourselves of course need to be willing let's go to chapter 2 in mark chapter 2 we see that jesus also as a as the great physician he is attentive and he is proactive 
Those are certainly things you want from a doctor. Notice how Jesus here in these verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, how he is attentive and proactive. When Jesus, he came back to Capernaum, so he's back in his hometown where those 1,500 people or so had already gathered several days before. It says several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. Jesus is back. Jesus is back. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to gather to him again, verse 2. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And as he was speaking the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was laying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. We're amazed by this story, aren't we? We've heard this story before. We, we, can, we can take several lessons from it. We can think about, hey, you need to have friends like that. You need to have friends that do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. These guys, they're, they're carrying this man who's paralyzed. He can't get around himself. They're carrying him on a pallet. Who knows how far they've carried him. Maybe he's a local guy, but you would think if he was local, he would have been there the first time the 1,500 people gathered and Jesus would have held him then. He's probably from somewhere around the surrounding area. They probably carried him for perhaps miles. They get there. And the place is crowded. There's no way that, that even one of the abled body could have pushed his way through the crowd. But there's no way they're going to get this guy on a pallet to Jesus. But that didn't stop them. They found a way to the house. They climbed up on top of the house. They pulled all the thatch roof away. They dug through whatever kind of roof it might have been. And a big enough hole to get a pallet with a paralyzed man on it down through the hole. And they came for what? Why do you think they, why do you think they brought the paralytic to Jesus? Pretty obvious, right? Probably so that he wouldn't be paralyzed anymore. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus sees their faith. It's interesting he says, the Bible says, their faith, not his faith. Their faith. We need friends that will help us get to Jesus and stay with Jesus. Says, seeing their faith, he looks at the paralytic and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus as a physician, is attentive and proactive. How many times have we heard stories? Maybe you've even experienced stories in your life with your family where someone goes in for some certain test, uh, for some minor ailment, and because of the image that they take or the test that they run, they find something that's much more severe. They came in for one thing, but they found out something else. That's what happens with this paralyzed man. He comes in thinking, I want to be healed. I want to be able to walk. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to be with my family again. I want to to be able to, to live life like everybody else. And Jesus, seeing their faith, he's attentive. He knows there's something more that this man needs. And he's proactive. He gives him what he needs first. Listen, if you, if you went in for a test for a, a, a broken bone or something along those lines and they wanted to perform an MRI just to make sure that you didn't have any torn ligaments or something like that and they found through that MRI that you had cancer, what do you want the doctor to do? Well, you came in for a broken leg. You want the doctor to heal your leg, right? Is that all you want him to do? Of course not. You want him to treat the cancer, Because that's serious. It's far more serious than a broken leg. Sure, you want your leg healed too. 
Sure, you want your leg to, to, to heal up as well, but you know that you want that cancer to be dealt with. Well, Jesus is attentive. He, he knows what's going on in the life of this man, just the same way he knows what's going on in your life. You may approach God in prayer on a specific issue, a specific need, something that you think is terribly important, and maybe it is, but is there something more important that Jesus may try to help us? Here, he's attentive and he's proactive and he helps this man. He says, seeing their faith, he says, your sins are forgiven. He sees and he treats the greatest need. Let's look at verses 6 through 11 and let's notice also that Jesus, not necessarily as a doctor, but Jesus as our Lord, He's audacious. He goes far beyond what is socially acceptable, far beyond what was religiously acceptable during his day. Verse 6, but some of the scribes were sitting there, and they're reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You know what they asked? They asked the right question, though they didn't understand that they asked the right question. They're, they're accusing Jesus. How dare you? How dare you say that you can do something that only God can do? But why is Jesus doing something that only God can do? Because he is God. Verse 8, immediately Jesus, aware within his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which one's easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up? And pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He turns and says to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. He's audacious. He's, he, he's, Jesus is, is someone who, who goes beyond. He challenges the norm. And he's gonna challenge, as a, as our Lord, he challenges the norm of our life. He doesn't want us to just do what's socially acceptable. He doesn't want us to just do what everybody in the church expects us to do. He wants us to go beyond that. He wants us to be like him. He's audacious and he doesn't, he doesn't pull punches. He doesn't come up short. He goes beyond what other people would have expected him to do. And then lastly this morning in verse 12, who is this Lord we love? Who is this Lord we love? Let me suggest to you that Jesus is nothing less than glorious. Verse 12. And he, the paralytic, got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. Who is this Lord we love? This Lord we love is capable and he's willing. This Lord we love is attentive and he's proactive. This Lord we love is audacious. And this Lord we love, this Jesus, is nothing less than glorious. And then look at verse 17. Hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not call to come the righteous, but sinners. Tonight we'll talk more about that passage. If you come back, we'll continue in this study. But I want you to to carry with you this morning. When we think about who is this Jesus, why should I follow him? Why is he worthy of of me giving up everything else and, and following him? It's because he knows 
that you have a need, whether that's a, a physical need, an emotional need, a social need, uh, certainly a spiritual need. God knows that you have those needs and he's, he's made it possible. And, and sometimes, you've heard this before probably, uh, you know, the church is supposed to be a, a hospital for sinners, right? And, and it's easy. It's easy for us to, to get caught up in who's supposed to be here this morning. Why are, who, who, why are we gathered here and, and who's supposed to be in, in our assembly this morning? And it's easy to get caught up and, and, and probably because it happens most often this way that the people who are here are, are Christians and we're here and, and we, we can very easily get, get a little bit too much of a, an, an uppity attitude, if you will. That, that we're the, we're the Christians, we're the saved ones, we're the right ones, we're, we're here for the right reasons. But remember, Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. And in reality, that means he came for you and me because we've got problems and we've got issues, but he also came for all those people who are outside these walls, and we need to remember that. But this morning, sometimes I think when we get that, that, that mindset that everybody who's in here has got it all figured out, when we believe that lie, did you hear me? When we believe that lie that everybody in here or that anybody in here has it all figured out, we get a little less willing to admit that we've got problems. We've got family members who are sick. We've got people at our jobs who are living unrighteous lives that we want to reach out to. Some of us here today are struggling with temptation and sin and difficulties. And sometimes when we compare ourselves and, and we, we worry about following these doctrines or we worry about following these sets of rules, these sets of, of do's and don'ts, we're very standoffish when it comes to the idea of letting each other know. So let's remind ourselves we're following Jesus. You and I are following Jesus together. And we're striving to live like him and to be like him. And I do know about you. I was going to say I don't know about you, but I do. You don't do that perfectly. I don't do that perfectly. And we're here together today to spur one another on to love and good deeds, to encourage one another, to worship our God who is worthy. This morning and this summer, as we think about who is this Lord we love, let's remember that we serve a God who is more than capable of handling whatever our problems are. So this morning, in your difficulty, in your trial, in your tribulation, in your struggle, know that Jesus is more than capable of handling your issues. And he wants to be able to help you. Also remember that he's eager, and he wants something more. He doesn't, God is not concerned about your bank account even if there's not enough in it. God's not primarily concerned about your health, even if it's not good. God's not primarily concerned about how many friends you have, though he wants you to have influence. God's not primarily concerned or secondarily concerned about your happiness. He's concerned about your holiness. This morning in your life, what does your attitude show? What do your actions show are the most important thing to you? And please know that this family here at Jefferson Avenue is here for you to help you because we need your help and you probably need ours too. God is more than capable. 
And we, you know, he, he is all of those things that we talked about, and, and we need to strive to be all of those things individually, but let's don't lose sight of the fact that if we were all of those things perfectly, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we're none of those things perfectly, and that's why we have to have him. This morning, if you're not a Christian, but you believe that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God, and you're willing to commit your life to him as him being your Lord, the one who leads your life, and submit to him in baptism where all of your sins can be washed away, then you can become a Christian. If those words that I just said don't mean anything to you and that's a foreign idea, let's talk about it. I'll show you what the Bible says. Many other people here will show you what the Bible says and will encourage you to follow Jesus. Brothers and sisters, most of us here today know exactly what God expects of us, and we struggle to live it. If you need help this morning, your family at Jefferson Avenue is here to help you. If you need anything this morning, we encourage you to come as we stand and sing.